Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. I'm really appreciative. You might have seen uh, Joyce and Gertrude go down to the prayer room, the boiler room. It's, it's prayer. And they're praying for us this morning, praying that the word of God will go forth with uh, truth and power and that the Holy Spirit will be here for us to hear. Also, I want to thank Terrell. He said he'd make me sound better today than I ever have. Thank you, Terrell. He's in the sound booth. It's good to see you this morning. I did want to make one more announcement uh, for Ethan, and that is that there will be no prayer gathering tomorrow evening. I want to welcome those that are first-time visitors this morning. If you're here in that capacity, we're glad that you're here, and we welcome you. And uh, there is in the pew in front of you uh, a little Connect card that you can fill out, and we'd love to be in touch with you and let you know how much we appreciate your visit. So, Pastor Scott, in keeping with the Transform series, asked me to speak this morning about a particular subject, and that subject is traveling through suffering, trials, pain, difficulties, and what is the purpose of suffering. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I think God's word is going to challenge us to consider making a very important paradigm shift so we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. However, there's one common roadblock that I have seen throughout my whole 43 year ministry. One common roadblock that we're going to look at this morning that you could identify with that will stunt your transformation and what God wants to do in your life. It's a prevalent roadblock that many Christians encounter on their journey. And I'm going to tell you what that is this morning. So Pastor Scott, for the past two months, has been speaking about the transformed life. I'd like to recap that. He began with the reality of the gospel. This is the gospel. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I am dead. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Christian life is not a partnership. I die, Christ lives in me. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to Christ's cross, I cling. I submit myself to death 
so that Christ can live in me. If you've been baptized, you know the experience of going under the water, and when you come up, you no longer live. Christ lives in you. As Tony Evans says, the Christian life is not about imitation. It's not about imitating Christ and trying to be like him. It's about inhabitation. It's about dying. And it's about letting Christ do with your body, with your mind, with your soul, with your heart, with your money, with your time, whatever God wants to do. The Christian life is an exchange life where I exchange my sin for the robe, the garment of Christ's righteousness. I exchange my works to try to save myself for Christ's finished work on the cross through his death and resurrection. I exchange my old self before I came to Christ for the new self that Christ gives me, a new nature that Christ gives me. My new nature now enables me to receive everything that God has for me. Ephesians 4:22. With regard to your former way of life, put off your old self and put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So if you have professed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and will certainly raise you along with him, then this is the reality for you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ... A new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Your old self no longer exists. Your old self died with Christ. And now you have a new self. 2 Peter 1.3 God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. If you've been here for the transformation series, all I'm simply doing is I'm lifting up the scriptures that Pastor Scott preached from and putting it in a context this morning for us to hear God's word in a fresh and new way. It is God who is at work in you to will and to act in order to fulfill God's good pleasure. Being confident in this, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6. So the Holy Spirit... God, God the Holy Spirit is going to carry on the work that God started in the believer 
when we came to Jesus Christ and God is not interested in and he is not impressed with any work that we perform to gain his acceptance, to receive his salvation, or to live the Christian life. God's not interested in what I want to do for him. I'm dead. So I don't come this morning and throw in the offering plate, well, God, here's a little bit of my change. I don't come this morning and say, you know what, God, I'm willing to visit one person this week and pray with them. Uh Uh-uh, you're dead. You're dead. You don't exist. You can't perform any work that will transform your life and your heart. You don't have it in you. It's only Jesus Christ who can start, sustain, and complete the work Not the work that you want to have happen so that you can be happy. But that God can complete the work that he wants to do in you. For his glory and for his honor. How many of you know that the Bible is a story about God? See, when I read the Bible, when I first started reading the Bible, I thought, hey, look at this. It's the story of Moses. He was a jerk sometimes. He couldn't even talk right. And you know what? That's my journey. God, I, God what's my journey going to be like? The Bible is not the story of Moses. It's the story of God. The only reason what Moses did and the works that he performed make any sense is in God's rescue plan. God was about ready to rescue his people. And I can't tell you the number of people that I've sat down with throughout my ministry who don't know that fact. This is not the story of Austin McClanahan and how he makes his way through life by loving God and the wonderful things that he does. It's not not Austin's story. This is a story about God. This is a story about what God wants to do with that dead man walking there. And his openness to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and through us. And God is only pleased with this. God is pleased when we put aside our own efforts to try to imitate him. When we put aside things that we do, that we do only because we want to feel good. God is pleased when I humble myself and I submit myself to the Holy Spirit's work in me and through me for the glory of God. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, worldwide, and right in our backyard, if we don't begin to understand the gospel and understand that we are called to die so Christ can live in us, we are going to be fighting battles that we don't have to fight. Because God is the one who does the fighting.
God is the one who battles. What do I do? I die. I let Christ live in me. So the Holy Spirit is looking for opportunities to make us holy. Not happy. Not content. Holy. Now, when does the Holy Spirit do his best work to bring transformation? God chooses trials. God chooses trouble. He chooses testing. He chooses pain. He chooses suffering to accomplish his transforming, refining work in our lives. Lisa read James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy. Joy? What are you talking about? Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing, and that word for testing there, is the heating up of gold to get the impurities out. The testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let God's perseverance in you finish the work that God intends so that you may be mature, that you may grow to the maturity that God wants to bring into your life. Now, why does God want me to be mature? God wants me to be mature, not so I can say I'm more mature than other Christians. He wants me to be mature, and the word is complete, completely Completely at his disposal, 100%, I die, he lives in me. 1 Peter 4.12, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Now that... That verse just slaps me in the face when I read it. So here I am. I'm going through a trial. I'm saying, God, God, help me out here. I, I, get me through this trial. And Peter says, why are you surprised at the trial? Because God uses trials. Nothing strange is happening to you. You are being called to participate in the sufferings of Christ. Allow yourself to suffer and invite the Holy Spirit to use this as a transformation opportunity in your heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 1 Peter 1, 6. Now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, 
and honor when Jesus is revealed. And 1 Peter 5.10, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered for a while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Do you see the paradigm shift? Do you see the paradigm shift that the word of God is calling us to make? When we see our sufferings and we see trials and we see pain and we see hardship, we are to shift our thinking to a heavenly perspective, to God's perspective. We are to shift it from enduring, from making it through, from getting through it to benefit to the benefit that the trial has, that the suffering has, that the difficulty has in God's hands. As I present myself, and the roadblock for much transformation are trials and difficulties and pain and hardship. But here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. God chooses to accomplish transformation through trials, through troubles, through pain, through suffering. That's why God is described in the scripture as a refiner's fire. Malachi, in the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 2, says, for God will be like a refiner's fire or launderer's soap, one that cleanses, it gets out the grime and the grease. God will sit as a refiner and purify silver and gold. Our heart beliefs, what we believe, the beliefs that we have acquired through our experiences from our old self, our old self. We no longer are our old self. We're a new self. We are a new creation in Christ. Pastor Scott said, we've gone from a caterpillar to a butterfly. We don't have to deal with our old self. The only thing that we need to deal with are the beliefs that we brought with us from our old self because those beliefs that are firmly planted in our hearts are outweighing the truth of the scripture that we know in our head. And what does James call that? When what you believe in your head is different from what you believe in your heart and it tears you up and presents conflict, he calls it double-mindedness. And he says a double-minded person, he doesn't say a double-minded person is stupid, so you don't have to beat yourself up if you're double-minded. He doesn't say a double-minded person is a jerk. He says a double-minded person is unstable in all his or her ways. I face a trial. <laughs> I'm unstable. I'm unstable. Why am I unstable? I'm unstable because of what I believe. I'm not unstable because of what's happening to me. I'm not unstable because of the trial or the suffering. For crying out loud, 50,000 people have had the same thing. 
I'm unstable because of what I believe. John Piper, pastor of a church in Minnesota for many years, says it this way. Scripture does not say that God is like a forest fire or incinerator fire that destroys indiscriminately and completely. The fire refines and purifies by melting down the gold, separating out the impurities that ruin its value and worth and leaving the gold intact. So let's say you're having trouble in your marriage. Your spouse does not appear to notice everything that you have done for the last two months around the house. You feel unappreciated. And when your spouse says, I thought you were going to take care of this and this chore, you hit the roof. You say something nasty and you walk out of the room. That's Saturday. You come to worship, you come to the altar, and you pray. Lord, get me through this. Lord, get me through this. Help me to deal with the... Blah, 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 blah. Change that person, Lord, will you please? There's a person at work or at school who appears to be on your case, taking every opportunity to put you down and to paint you in a negative light. You don't understand why. You have no idea. You finally had it. And rather than doing what the scripture says, if somebody sins against you, go up and tell them the sin, that there's, speak the truth in love. You swallow it, and you get sick for three days. And then you come to worship and you pray, Lord, take the pain away. Lord, take the pain away. Remember, God isn't concerned with your happiness. God is concerned with your holiness. You've been hit really hard lately. One trial after the other in your life and in your family. It's adding up. And you start questioning whether God really cares or whether God is real. And you come to the altar and you pray, Lord, I've suffered long enough. I've suffered long enough. Take this suffering away. Am I on target here? Lord, get me through it. Lord, take it away. Those are the prayers that I've heard in church for since I was a kid. Take it away. Take it away. Get him through it. Yet, I read in the scripture, God may not be interested in taking it away. He wasn't interested in taking the thorn in the flesh away from Paul. He was interested in changing him. Why? Because that is the way that God fulfills the transformation process. Because we don't walk in and say, gee, I'd like to die today. I'm going to die today. <laughs> no. Oh, boy, I wish I was dead. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. No, we don't do that. 
we hit suffering, we hit pain, we hit trials, and God says, okay, potential opportunity here. Potential opportunity for transformation. Let me get close to him and let me see if he really wants it. Lord, take it away. Nope. Not ready. Lord, I humble myself. I submit myself. I feel the pain because I'm feeling the pain of what I believe. I'm not feeling the pain of what is happening to me. I'm going to get personal. Grew up in a home. Father drank excessively. I brought him home from the bar three nights a week, like clockwork. They would fight. I would hide. Uh, I, I, I would pray, God, get me through this. Oh, God, get me through this. And just because the boy grows up and his face looks different and he adds a few pounds doesn't mean the heart is not far away from God or has pain in it. So long story short, I came into the ministry believing that I had to be worth my salt to be worthy, to be valuable, to be lovable, I had to be worth my salt. My first pastor that I went to, there were 35 people. They sat me down and they said, son, we just want to tell you. You can either fill this church with people or it's going to close up. Which one do you want? Fill the church with people. Fill the church with people. So I went into that pastorate excited, but also I had a knot in my stomach, right? Because there was an expectation that the pews were going to be filled. And I, nobody put that on me. The congregation didn't put that on me. I believe what the guy said. I have to believe it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can put words in the air. You can put all the words in the air that you want, but it's only the ones that I pick out that I believe that are going to hurt me. So I did. I drove my wife nuts because I was always out taking care of other people's families, and I left my family at home. We adopted a child, and then we had another one just like that, and I left her. And as I stand here, I don't have any pain about that now because, because that, was a, that was a trial that, that I have worked through. But I'm sad that I acted that way. But it had nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Everything that I did had nothing to do with the kingdom of God. What it had to do with was me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Seven years I spent in that congregation, and I'll tell you why I left. The congregation grew to about 250 people, and they loved me. And I could do no wrong. But I was so hung up on pleasing God by taking care of all of them the next person that came to me that had a need, I didn't like them. 
I'm being honest with you. It wasn't about them. It was about me. That was my pain. Why? Because I put my dad on my back. I put my mother on my back. They didn't ask me to do that. Why did I do that? Because it's a poor substitute from what you can get at the cross. And so I left that congregation because I was afraid of intimacy. I was afraid to let them really get to know me. I was afraid to crash. I was afraid not to meet their expectations. And God had nothing to do with that. That was Bruce Hankey's theology. I can say, glory to God, he filled the pews. It wasn't me. So then I went and they asked me, Bruce, will you start a new church? You're really good at what you're doing here. Would you start a new church in Wisconsin? Sure. Went to a new church, had to clean up vomit from the floor of the uh, hall that we met in. I knocked on doors, slammed in my face. Who do you think you are? Take your gospel and shove it. I heard those things, right? So what did I do? I finally, finally came to the altar and said, God, this is stupid. I don't know what I'm doing. And I allowed that trial. I allowed the Holy Spirit into my life for the first time to tell me the truth. And that was the moment that I began, I began to grow. That was the moment that I, I started dying and I turned my life over to Christ and have been walking with him in that way. If we don't understand that God is using the flame to refine our faith, amid a fiery ordeal and a light momentary trouble, we will assume that a strange thing is happening. If we're unaware of what God does in suffering, you may reject God's work unknowingly and resist the very process that God is using for your transformation. Ed Smith of Transformation Prayer Ministry has helped me more than anybody else to understand this important truth. Ed says that most people, when they get into pain, when they feel hurt, when they don't know what to do, come for prayer ministry and they're looking for counseling because they feel bad and they want to feel better. I did that for years. I felt bad and I wanted to feel better. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we live in a world of people who feel bad and are trying desperately to feel better. They are looking for a way to manage their pain and to get through the suffering. Others see the pain of trials as an opportunity. Well, look at how much I can stand. Wow, <laughs> I can stand this much. Or I feel this great pain. I'm showing my loyalty to God. 
or test my endurance. But none of those things are God's purpose for trials and suffering. I want you to hear this. Because this spoke to me and hit me like a ton of bricks. Ed Smith goes on to say that believers and unbelievers all make it through every trial. Believers and unbelievers make it through every trial if they don't die. So you're here this morning and you've made it through every trial. But Ed goes on to say, so has that atheist down the block. So has that Muslim. So have the, in, the, the people in India that practice Buddhism. They've all made it through too. There is nothing spiritual about making it through a trial. Everyone can do it just by continuing to breathe. That hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Then the question was, am I allowing God to do his transforming work in my trials? And I present that, I present that to you. God does not view trials and suffering as an enemy to be avoided or a challenge to be endured or something to be overcome. Why would he do that? God is the refiner's fire. He views trials and suffering and pain as an opportunity if we are willing to allow our pain to expose what we believe because God wants to transform our hearts so that we can walk in the newness of life that we have in Jesus Christ. This is where Christians take it back. We take it back. God says, you're a new creation. Thank you, Jesus, I'm a new creation. God says, the old is gone, the new has come. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Suffering comes. I got it, <laughs> I got it. Guess what? That's not a work that God is asking you to do. The work that he's asking you to do is to embrace the pain of what you've chosen to believe that is in your heart, that is guiding your life. Because I have ministered with Christians and I minister with non-Christians. And when a non-Christian confronts the pain in their heart, what are they going to do? Help! Who's going to be there? Jesus! He's going to be there. He's going to show up. So we don't have to get our acts together to live the Christian life because we don't live the Christian life. Christ lives his life in us. We die he lives. This is a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? I'm not hearing any amens or hallelujahs today. And it's really okay. I didn't come to get an amen or a hallelujah. 
I came to share the word because this is the word of God. This is the truth. This is the path, the narrow path that God has chosen for those who desire to walk in his holiness. The wide path, it's easy. A lot of times people will come, seek me out. They'll say, man, I'm in pain. I say, good. You're in pain. Now, choice is, what are you going to do with that pain? Right? And my only question is, are you willing to feel the pain? Because anger is a solution to pain. Anybody want to admit that? Anger? I'll admit it. Man, I used to get angry all the time. Anger is nothing more than a solution to pain. It's a conceived solution that if I get angry, something happens. Yeah, people don't like you. <laughs> That's what happens. But the scripture says, James goes on to say, the anger of man and woman cannot produce the righteousness of God. So I try anger. I try, this was my favorite. My favorite was just kind of running away, sleeping through it. I did what I used to do when I was a child. I turned on the vacuum cleaner and I would go behind a sofa and turn on the vacuum cleaner because that would help me to deal with my pain. I'm being extremely vulnerable with you this morning. I don't know what your choice is, right? But here's God's choice. God, this trial has brought me to my knees. God says, good. Now let me send my Holy Spirit, and my Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. I worked my way through college at Bethlehem Steel in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I went to Moravian College, and Bethlehem Steel was right down the block. And I got there. I was in the cinder plant. I was in about 10 different plants. And then they sent me to the smelter place, I think it was called. That was where they took all of this scrap metal steel, and they put it in this huge vats. And then they... The fire would come up, <laughs> and it would melt that down. It would take a long time, sometimes take a whole shift, and I watched that, and then I watched it get red, and I watched it get gold and white, and then all of a sudden, it got one color. It was like, like gold, and there was a whole bunch of junk on the top, and those were the impurities. And then they would take this big machine thing and... I think it was called dross or sledge, and they would take it off. That's exactly what God is interested in having happen in our lives. He's the refiner, right? The heat is turned up. He knows how to turn that up, right? He's not going to turn it down. He's going to turn it up. <laughs> Why will he turn it up? Because he, 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 he loves you. He wants to see if you really want to be rid of the sledge. Because it's the sledge, it's the sledge from the old self that we brought with us, that are impurities, that are in the gold. And God desires to heat up the gold. He doesn't do anything with the gold. That's what we want. We want a pure faith. 
We want pure beliefs that are based on who God is and how he deals with us and the truth that will set us free. That's what God wants. So the Holy Spirit takes the sledge, moves it away. And I read that a metal worker will know when the process is finished, when the metal worker can see his face in the pure gold, the process is done. Is anybody getting excited? <laughs> There's no way that we can get ourselves to the place where we can imitate Jesus with the sledge that we're carrying. The sledge has to go. And when it goes and we're dead, because that's the part that keeps us from dying, when we're dead, people say, I see Christ in you. That's because I died and Jesus is living in me. If you put your hand on a hot stove, would you want your hand to hurt? <laughs> I would. I'm glad when my children put their hands on a hot stove that they screamed and they were in pain. <laughs> What's going to happen if we don't hurt, if there's no pain? My hand's going to get burned off, right? The pain is beneficial because the pain locates the source. And then I'm motivated to address the problem. The writer to the Hebrews said, no discipline for the moment seems to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet, to those who have been trained by the discipline, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I love the book of Job. And the reason I love the book of Job is because I believe Job is me. Right? I can look through my life and I can see that I'm Job. Because in the beginning of the book, Satan approaches God and says, basically, God, you know, Job only follows you because of what you give him. He only follows you because you make him happy. You take that away, and he's not, he's not going to follow you. You give him some suffering. You give him some pain. You stick a trial in his lap. He won't be around. God says, I think I know my son Job. think I know my son Job. I think we're going to use this opportunity to turn up the fire on my son Job. Why? Because I want to transform his life. And I will do it in that. So the scripture says in Job 1.11, but now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he'll surely curse you to your face. Satan says that. And the Lord says to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. 
God wanted Job to have a deeper faith. And God allowed the suffering. He allowed the suffering to continue. Job, it ended up, lost everything. But there came a moment as God and Job, as God is transforming Job's heart in Job 23.10, Job says this, I shall come forth as gold. I shall come forth as gold. And brothers and sisters, whatever trial you're in, whatever suffering you may be going through, God desires to speak to us in the midst of our trials. He desires to reveal his perspective as he did to Job. And he desires to allow that process to bring us forth with the faith that is pure gold. And that Jesus can be seen in our midst. God has a purpose for our pain and our suffering and our trials. It is his process of transformation. I don't know if you've taken a look out your window lately, but Christians in our society are being pronounced bad. We're bad. We're bad. If people could degrade us, happy to do it. This culture is not going to accommodate us. We are aliens in a strange land. And I have a concern for the church, not just Waynesboro Free Methodist. I have a concern for the church of Jesus Christ, and I'm a part of that. So I have this concern for myself, that we are so preoccupied with happiness, with contentment, with God doing something for us, that we don't know how to suffer. We don't know how to go through pain. We don't know how to allow God to get his hands on us. When we are in that place where we have a choice, either we die and we let Christ live in us, or we try to perform the work that God only can and wants to do in our lives. Look around us. And it's not going to get better. That means we have to put ourselves under the hand of God and the refiner's fire of God so that when God is moving among the face of the earth like he did with Abraham, he fingered Abraham. He said, I got a job for you. I've got an appointment for you. And the only reason Abraham was called because God was doing something. This is God's story. It's not our story, it's God's story. And I want to be one who allows the refiner to refine my heart so that I can, when God fingers me, I can do the work of God. I can do, let him work in me because it'll be his work and not my own. I don't believe that God is asking us 
to wonder or to make a decision or to dream about what God wants us to do for him. I don't see that in the scripture. I don't see that in Abraham's life. I don't see that in Moses' life. I don't see that in Gideon's life. They could have never dreamed up what God asked them to do. And they could have never done it except for the power of God that wasn't work, at work in them. So a number of years ago, I stopped trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. And I started allowing God, when there was a fire in my life, to enter my life through the Holy Spirit and transform my heart so that I wasn't worried about getting through it. I wasn't worried about enduring it. I was asking for God to change, to change my heart, to purify my heart. I invite the worship team to come forward. And I would encourage you, have you made that paradigm shift from enduring to benefiting, from taking it in your own hands to submitting and allowing God to use the trial or the suffering or the difficulty or the pain that you are in to draw you closer to God so that he might be able to use you in an assignment that he has in the days to come. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for myself. It's my prayer for the body of Christ. I'll invite you to stand. We're going to sing. It's really a prayer. Purify my heart, O oh Lord. And after the service, if you'd like to, uh, to talk, uh, I'll listen. If you'd like to be prayed with, I'd be happy to pray with you. If you need somebody to, to face the trial with you, I'm all in. Because that's what we're called to do together as the body of Christ. That we may have our faith so purified by God that there's nothing that he can't do in us and through us for his glory. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.